Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. Approaching the big 50th episode soon and this little project uh, that I started to connect with and speak to dentists from all around the world has really grown into something that I could have never imagined. I will be announcing the first sponsor for the podcast in next week's episode and I'm excited to continue to improve on the quality and quantity of the interviews for you guys. I must thanks everyone for the overwhelming support over the past year. It's definitely not easy to start a podcast in Canada and then move to the other side of the world to Australia and still retain the listener base in Canada and the United States, all while building the Australian listener base. So again, I just want to thank you everyone and send out my sincere gratitude to each and every one of you. In this week's episode, I sat down and had the great pleasure of interviewing Dr. Annika Ball, who is a dentist in Melbourne, Australia. After decades of working with chronic neck and back pain issues, Dr. Aniko got passionate about ergonomics and founded Optimum Dental Posture, which is a course and seminar that runs several times per year here in Australia. Optimum Dental Posture's mission is to reduce the incidence and occupational musculoskeletal disorders in dentistry and to send a message of hope to dentists for recovery and prevention of pain and discomfort. And in this episode, she is super generous with her time and shares a lot of valuable information about posture, ergonomics, and dental loops. As always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with your friends, classmates, and colleagues. All the links and the information that we talk about in the interview can be found on the show notes. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omer Azami. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Dr. Enico Ball, who is a uh, dentist uh, based in Australia who's done a lot of work with you know, dental biomechanics, ergonomics, uh, dental mindfulness and well-being. And I'm really excited to kind of dive into a lot of topics with her today. So thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. So what we normally like to do in this podcast is kind of start off with a bit of an origin story. So if you can kind of tell us about you know, where you grew up and uh, what made you get into dentistry and then your experience in dental school, because we actually went to the same dental school. I know we graduated a few uh, decades apart. So I'm actually kind of excited to see what it was like when you were going through. So I, I grew up in Budapest, Hungary and came to Melbourne as a 14-year-old with no English. And it was a tough journey. Luckily, I well, I studied very hard and got into the Melbourne Dental School yeah. and graduated in 1976. And what, what I learned in dental school in my four, fourth year, uh, because I don't know if you still have to do a research project in your final year, but do, I, yeah. I, you do. So mine was um, on, on um, fears, fearful patients, phobias, and through that I came across research to, to tell, that told me how high the stress burnout rate and suicide rate was among dentists back in the 60s. So I thought, oh my goodness, I'm about to graduate into a profession like this. So I trained uh, extensively in how to take care of myself and, and calm my patients through hypnosis relaxation techniques. What I And that was amazingly helpful and it kept my sanity and I was very successful with my patients. What I didn't learn was how do you get this pair of eyes and hands over to the patient's mouth without twisting myself into a pretzel, which I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I had 
suffering, <laughs> um, chronic neck, back, shoulder, um, everything hurt kind of pain for decades. And that, that was completely missing. Yeah. So what was it uh, that made you want to pursue dentistry in the first place? Because I imagine, in, especially in the sick, I mean, it's hard enough now with all the technology and how comfortable dentistry has gotten over the years. Uh, people still don't like to come see us. So I can imagine only back then it would have been a pretty challenging profession to kind of get into. What made you, what drew you to dentistry? I was always very interested in helping people. I had no idea how challenging dentistry is. And at that time, there were very few female dentists. Yeah. A few years earlier, there's only one in a year of 30. And uh, when I first started working um, in practices, people were convinced that I was the dental nurse. <laughs> so <laughs> it was challenging. I thought it was a fantastic profession, especially for a woman. I was um, planning to be a mother and wanted to be able to work part-time and also look after family. And I thought it was a great profession, but I just didn't realize how demanding it was on my body. That's great. And that's a great point. I didn't think of that perspective. Of, and we've come a long way, certainly in that regard as well. I think probably 50%, 60% of each cohort now is is female. So I think it's it's gone from maybe one or two per class and now it's majority. So um, it's been great progress, I guess, in that regard as well. Tell me a little bit about the clinical side of dentistry for you. When you first started graduating, uh, what was that like? Did you have many, many challenges in the workplace or? Well, it was challenging. Even though we um, worked in student clinic, it was very different um, to be out in, in private practice. And so the time pressure and working with different instruments and equipment was, was challenging. At that time, there were a lot of jobs. In yeah. fact, young dentists were interviewing prospective employers. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very different scenario. Yeah. And I was practicing for about 10 years exclusively in general dentistry, and I incorporated my uh, hypnosis and relaxation into my work, and I, I saw a lot of very frightened and phobic patients. Yeah, that's great. So I think there's just kind of two sides of things, and you know, I'll, I want to start off with the biomechanics and ergonomic side of things for today. And if there is time, uh, it'd be great to talk to talk about the hypnosis and the uh, you know managing burnout and stress and things as well. With the biomechanics, ergonomics, obviously that's huge. Dentistry. I mean, I've I kind of come from an exercise physiology kind of physio background myself a little bit from my undergrad degree, and I've been playing sports my whole life and things. So I was, I've always been very aware of you know posture and injuries and and learning to kind of assess my body and see oh that's not feeling right or this is tight or that's uh, not in balance. And dentistry is very challenging. I've you know I, I what I've been doing is at least like three times or. Once every month, I go see a massage therapist just to kind of get all the knots and stuff out of my back because uh, there's those like trigger points that I guess we all have like in our traps or in our mid back or wherever it may be. And it's very tough, especially with, you know, we're wearing loops, we're working in tight spaces uh, and I'm left-handed as well, which also creates like a lot of challenges, you know, trying to fit into the dental workflow and because a lot of rooms and cabinetry and chairs aren't really set up for left-handed dentists. So I don't know what the best way to approach this is. Maybe if you kind of just... Tell us about you know what you find is the most uh, challenging issues that dentists are facing right now with their posture. Kind of pick and choose a few things and kind of go from there. Uh, well, let me start with the fact that, uh, and this is something I came up with, is I have um, made a distinction between outer and inner ergonomics. So um, I call outer ergonomics the everything but the operator. So the surgery layout, the patient chair, the stool, the equipment, every bit of equipment and instrument, and they're very important, including the loops. 
I call that outer ergonomics. Mm -hmm. And I must say, uh, sadly, that a lot of what is called ergonomically designed isn't, and I've been investigating many of the products. And then what you're doing, what uh, the dentist is doing inside himself or herself, the way we hold instruments, the way we sit, how we bend over the patient, that, that is just as important, possibly more important than the outer ergonomics. And I've called that inner ergonomics, organizing yourself from the inside out, knowing what your body is designed to do and what it isn't designed to do in movement, but especially posture. Yeah. And we hold postures for prolonged periods. And that's, that's the challenge in dentistry. So I, I come from that. Okay, perfect. So let's, I think this is a great uh, distinction. And so let's start with uh, inner ergonomics first. What is, what are people doing right? What are people doing wrong? What do we not even know that we're doing wrong? Okay, so a lot of this belongs in the area of you don't know that you don't know. Some things we know that we don't know yeah. and know how to learn. So um, what, what most people don't know is it's basic functional anatomy. I call it inner ergonomics 101, and it's not rocket science. There are two points, where your important joints are, so no, not all your joints. Yeah. And what research has shown is that if you have a faulty picture location of where an important joint, such as your hip joint or your arm joint, or the, where your head sits on top of the spine, you move according to that faulty location in your mind and injure yourself. So number one is where the important joints are and just a few and two which joints are designed for bending and which are not how simple is that and that's what i'm finding missing not only for dental students and dentists but i've even even had doctors and ear nose and throat specialists in my training programs and they can operate on a patient but they don't know in in their own body where those joints are and what they're capable of and that was missing definitely in my training and i believe it's missing in most dental schools yeah and so what are the most common joints that are i mean i assume the neck would be the the main one what other joints are there that we need to be paying attention to well before i we move on from there let me say this and this you'll be surprised how simple it is but this is this makes the difference between um, having a career that's painful and cut short possibly or not yeah. so the head sits on top of the spine at the height of the ears most people mm. think it sits lower than that just because the neck seems to be yeah. further down so if you imagine a rod going through your ears that's the axis of rotation for the head to look up and oh, down wow. and i'm sitting taller okay. as you speak <laughs> now the looking down the head has only about a 10 degree freedom to look down. And when we come to loops, that'll be a very important point. Yeah. So below that, uh, C1 and C2 is where the head can turn left to right. And then, and this is a very important point that no one seems to know, and I certainly didn't until I trained further, is that every single intervertebral joint below C2, all the way down, is a gliding joint. Yeah. Um, and there is not a single pivot or hinge joint anywhere all yeah. the way down the spine. And, and yet we, and especially dentists, use um, their bodies and bend as if there were hinge and pivot joints along the spine and there aren't. So That's this right. thing forward below the height of the ear and, be, and beyond the 10 degree with the head and certainly twisting off to the right for right-handed dentist, left to the left-handed dentist, that is a disaster for the spine. 
Yeah, then, I find out myself. I, I'm always like leaning towards one side because you favor, I guess, whichever um, you know side that you're sitting on and working on. And let me state that gravity never moves off to the side. So mm-hmm. gravity is always acting vertically. So when you move off to the side, there is uneven pressure on joints, and some muscles are overused, some muscles are underused, and the whole body is out of balance. And then the next important joint is the hip joint. Yeah. And I have yet to see one person who actually knows exactly where the <laughs> hip joint is because that's the joint that is designed to pivot your torso forward in order to look into the patient's mouth. Yeah. So you then should there be, are So you think the problem is that we we compensate instead of you know bending from the hip, we're you know acting like our like thoracic spine is a hinge joint and bending forward from there. And that's where it creates a lot of those issues. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly it. And also, dentists don't tend to, a lot of dentists work from one position, like 11 or 12 o'clock or whatever o'clock position. Yeah. And when people ask me, where should they sit? I always say, that's an outside-in approach, okay. which is never good. Mm-hmm. You need to go from the inside out. You say, given that I don't want to be twisting and bending my spine and I want to use the correct joints for the correct for the job, where do I need to sit? Where do I need to have the patient head turned? You, you organize everything else according to you working with your biomechanical design. Okay. So what's the, if we're working from inner out, what's the optimum? So for getting the patient, we have our chair and we have our body. So that's, I like guess, our most immediate connection. What's the best like seating posture that we should be ha- like, trying to achieve? The best posture? Like seating posture, yeah. Posture, right. So... There is no one answer for everyone because yeah. it depends on on what quadrant, what tooth, um, a, a whole lot of factors. And this is where, of course, the outer ergonomics comes into play. And I call this the inner and outer ergonomics interface. Yeah. Ideally, uh, you should be working with a dental chair that is really thin so that you can get your knees underneath. No yeah. bulky mechanism for the headrest because I've seen some that don't allow you to get in underneath. And, and, so, and, and also, you need to sit on a really good stool. So you, you want to move into a position where you can pivot your torso slightly forward. You need to have your feet on the ground. So hopefully, you don't have some chairs that have got a very bulky base, so you can't put your feet where you want it to be. And you want to organize the, the foot control where you can put your foot on it so that your knees is falling outwards. So there are a whole lot of other biomechanical design. And then you say, okay, now what height do I need to have the chair? And you ideally don't want to have your wrist higher than your elbows. And and you say, can I get underneath the chair? And some chairs are more bulky on the side. For example, in the 9, 10 o'clock position for quadrant four is often a good good area to sit. Mm -hmm. And and then you say, well, okay, do I need to get my patients had to turn? And, and I recommend to dentists to experiment. Often they say to me, Oniko, especially young dentists, they say, if I spend time moving around, getting the patient turned this way, and then I say, oh, do you mind if we turn that way? And they'll think I'm incompetent. And of yeah. course, <laughs> in the beginning, there is, when you look young, you've got to look like kid. you know everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I say to dentists, just explain to your patients that you've learned about um, how to look after your back and you're just going to spend an extra moment or two to make sure that you are, your patient is comfortable and that you are able to look after this patient for a long time. So communication skills are important here. Yeah. And I recommend that people spend a um, few moments 
to get it right. And often people take shortcuts with their bodies. And one mm -hmm. of my mottos is, don't take shortcuts with your body. You only have one precious spine. And the other that you probably have seen me repeat in all my postings is, you are your most precious instrument yeah. to look after yourself. I think that's so true. And I think the, the challenge is, especially for new grads, you, you become short-sighted. You're like, okay, it's just this one time I'm going to like bend over and look to get direct vision and you lose sight of the, okay, I got If I'm doing this for 20 years, what's the effect of like these little moments going to be the cumulative effect on, on my body. And, and it's, and I think that new challenge, maybe it just to kind of sidetrack for a second is the mob, the phones, like the smartphones that we all have. Cause we're always, even when we're not working, we're still in that posture or next forward and we're looking down. So I think that's like, that might be a new challenge that, I think it might be a good, obviously it's a good space because you're helping us out with this, but we're working all day and then we come home and we're sitting on our smartphones and we're looking down anyway. So it's like the same kind of posture. I think it just kind of accumulates and compounds the issue a lot quicker. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm so glad you asked me this. So incorporated in all my short presentations and lengthy training programs, I talk about cumulative trauma, trauma that accumulates at the cellular level mm -hmm. every moment that you're doing repeated twisting or holding awkward postures that your body wasn't designed for and that's called cumulative trauma or repetitive strain injury and i talk about cumulative trauma in the clinic but also away from the clinic and and i believe that what you just mentioned the mobile devices is one of two main reasons and we'll talk about the second in a while the two main reasons why young dentists are experiencing more pain and there's a higher incidence among young dentists of chronic pain than my generation. When I started running my programs, I thought it would be my generation. Yeah. Becoming, <laughs> most of the participants are barely out of dental school. So what happens is, as we already mentioned, the spine doesn't have hinge joints or pivot joints. And yeah. most people, young people especially, take their head to the phone down into their, towards their lap yeah. Instead of using a wonderful hinge joint called the elbow, which will, <laughs> it's not rocket science. Yeah. And, and if you bring the phone to you, then you're working with your biomechanical design. Yeah. If, you, if you bend down to look at your laptop or your mobile phone or iPad, you are doing damage and it's cumulative trauma. The discs between the spine are being squashed and distorted. And, and that doesn't lead to any, any good future. Yeah. So very, very important. So with regards to the inner ergonomics, I guess, you know, maintenance and strength exercises and things like that will kind of fit into that. So uh, let's touch on that while we're here. What do you recommend in terms of outside of work? What can people be doing to like strengthen their spine or you know, work on their core strength? Uh, things that they can do to kind of delay or try and offset the, the trauma that they're incurring during the workday right well before i answer that i do want to recommend that people learn to minimize the trauma even in the clinic and this is what i teach mm. uh, practically teach around dental chairs and of course that involves breaking habits and that's a topic in itself yeah however there are a lot of things people can do in their daily life to break habits such as bending on over phones now, as far as um, strengthening, unfortunately, you cannot strengthen the spine. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a distinction, and you probably know this from your background, there are movement muscles, and then there are postural muscles. Yeah. There are also cardiac muscles, but we'll leave them out of um, this conversation. So um, 
movement muscles are designed to move, for example, your arm, muscles that move the um, arm and shoulder are movement muscles. And yeah. while we're on this topic, I just want to mention that one of the huge issues is that most dentists are not using a finger rest for their non-dominant hand okay. so that they're holding, holding the mirror. It's I do of this, I think. Um, I have like the hovering arm on one side on my mirror hand and that I feel it in my yeah. traps and my shoulder. <laughs> so what happens, and this is, I'm mentioning this because even without doing any training with me, your listeners will be able to incorporate this and save their shoulder and arm. So what happens is we're holding about a four kilo plus arm, the, the average weight of an arm is four kilo, and we're using movement muscles, which are fast twitch for fast action, and mm -hmm. then they're meant to stop. And we're using those muscles for prolonged contraction. Uh, if I said to you, hold your arm up um, in line with your shoulder, for yeah. a few hours, you know you will have a short, sore shoulder. For sure. A hovering hand holding the math mirror is the same. It just looks different. So I recommend everybody finds a finger rest inside the mouth or against the cheek, but mainly inside the mouth and release the whole arm. Mm -hmm. So uh, learning to not do things like that is really, really helpful. And then we've got postural muscles, which are slow twitch, and they can fire for a long time without... Um, being fatigued yeah. so people need to learn to use the right muscles for the right job and so there is an activity which I teach in my courses but also on the home page of my my um, website there is something called the active rest which okay. is a lying down procedure with support under the head under the uh, occipital bone so that the head is in a slight forward rotation and there's a full explanation and the knees are bent and, and it, it actually allows the spine to decompress because the gra gravity is taken out of the picture and yeah. joints are and muscles are released and unloaded. So that, that is the best thing to do. And people who have done some training with me tend to take a yoga mat and all the necessary bits to work and at lunchtime and after work this is a way of undoing any harmful habits okay. as much and just possible. and just lying there's quite nice and uh, passive so you can just relax a little bit too and um so yeah. i'll put it so that's on your on your website so i'll put a note uh, in the show notes uh, people can go yeah, check if you like i can send would you like me to send it to you that would be great yeah and i'll post it up or put a link that'd be great yeah Excellent, because there's a lot of explanation. There's a lot more than, although it's restful, there's actually passive traction of the back muscles and also the uh, neck muscles that are chronically tight. Yeah. And there's a absolute decompression of the spine. You probably heard that in the morning we're 1.6 centimeters taller than at night. Yeah. That's the decompression during the night where you get that kind of decompression, mm -hmm. but it's a passive active decompression. It's and also very calming on, on the body and mind. Okay. Um, another thing I, I saw you post, uh, I think it was like maybe a month ago. It was like, and I've been using it since like, even when I'm like sleeping, I make sure my hands like flat. Uh, Cause you always say like, if you're, if you're resting positions, your fingers and hands are curled up. Um, that's not like passive rest. You're still putting stress and strain on the tendons and things like that. Well, that's, that's still flexion. That's still a contraction. And I see, uh, I, when I give talks, I always say, now, without changing what you're doing with your hand, just look down and everybody's sitting in some version of contraction. Yeah. And that contraction is a contraction. And you know that tendons of the uh, muscles that 
contract the fingers are crossing over in the carpal tunnel, which is a very mm -hmm. narrow space. So there's an inflammation and um, extending is a really good idea when you can. Yeah. So put gloves on if you're waiting for um, your nurse to mix something that's going to take a while or gone out to get something. For a moment, pop your instruments on the bracket table and then without touching anything, just do a full extension uh, next to you. And when you don't have gloves on, rest it on a table or on the steering wheel when you're driving and yeah. you're stopped at the red lights. Any opportunity or on your lap. And that's a habit I had to untrain myself because I was always contracting my hand. Yeah, that's a great tip. So let's talk about outer ergonomics. And I guess, you know, the, the hot topic a lot of people will be wondering about is like dental loops. So I, just to share my experience, I bought some loops in dental school. So I, they come to the dental school at lunchtime. They got like a typodont. You'll try them on and they'll kind of measure your working, like working length. And and like off you go. And so I've been wearing those. There's like a 3.5 magnification uh, oroscopic ones uh, through the lens. So I've been wearing those, I guess, for like four years now between dental school and working. And, you know, obviously I've realized in the past couple of years, the angle of like declination is like really bad. So I have to look really down, like beyond the 10 degrees that you said, our, our neck is like a hinge joint. So a lot of strain like on my, on my neck and my upper back. And now I'm on the market for a new one. So I thought it was a great time since you're coming on uh, to maybe ask you some tips or your brands. Um, obviously, I have no affiliation from my end of things. So I'm not trying to push for any certain brand or anything. But what design options, what brands um, through the lens versus flip up? What kind of tips do you have for the young, for the young dentist listening in terms of uh, what loops would be the best um, outer ergonomics ergonomically for them? Um, this is a very important question, and I'm glad we have the opportunity to discuss it. When I first started, I thought I'm just going to focus on the inner ergonomics and yeah. you know let adults worry about the outer. And then I realized I have to get involved in the outer ergonomics because I check every participant and I go out to dental practices and train the whole team. I'm always checking loops. And about two years ago, I realized that most dentists were coming into, in fact, 100% of dentists were coming into my programs with declination angles that were less than what was necessary to avoid neck bending. Yeah. And unfortunately, oroscopic cannot provide the, the right angles. So I would say to you, get rid of yours quick yeah. because <laughs> it's not right. And, and I actually met just last week with the new national manager of Cable Kerr who sells, who distributes oroscopic. I've been yeah. trying to educate oroscopic for two years. And now I hope they're listening because it's a problem that they sell dental students. Hopeless. Uh, this is an upsetting topic to discuss for me because yeah, I'm so understand. a young dentist. And so I, I'm actually in the process of contacting deans of dental schools to alert them to this problem because oroscopic should not be selling to dental students. And I know I, I don't, in Queensland, they offer a ridiculous discount, which is irresistible, and yeah. it's, it's guaranteed to do you harm. I think that's one of the reasons, the second reason why young dentists are in so much pain. So I have been investigating various loops, yeah. and I've come to the conclusion that uh, I, I don't have confidence in any through-the-lens loops at the moment. I don't believe that companies can measure you up properly. You should mm -hmm. be looking for about 45 degree declination angle. Okay. And most of them can't provide it. And they don't even know what, what has disappointed me um, greatly is that most companies who are 
providing loops have no idea about biomechanical design and the fact that you are not supposed to bend your neck. Which is quite surprising. You would think they would invest a lot of money in the research and development. Exactly. So at this point, what I would be looking at, if I was looking for something myself, is um, adjustable loops that are able to provide you the right angle of declination. And the two that I've been investigating, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I refuse to be associated with any company. Many companies have asked, and I said, no, I need to be totally independent yeah. because I want to recommend based on, on good ergonomics, not because I'm paid for it. So I have no financial involvement with any general company for that reason. So Haney and Surgital are the two that I've been looking at. Yeah. Haney has got better adjustability that doesn't depend on no size. And I didn't realize this until a friend of mine had a problem with Surgital and, and his um, lovely non-petite nose. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, Surgital has has got different kinds of adjustable adjustable parts and, and I, I believe that you can get the full adjustability, so about 45-degree angle. And I should mention this, that unless you are, and I'll come back to Heine, unless you're using um, operating microscope or, or, um, or loops like Pentex, you cannot sit upright and hope to look into a patient's mouth without pivoting slightly forward at the hip joint. This yeah. is a major, uh, you know how you, we talked about what people don't know that they don't know. This is yeah. that area that you cannot sit upright and look into a patient's mouth yeah. without injuring yourself. Yeah. Um, is Pentax the one with, it's like a mirror, so you look straight in the loop and it reflects down or? Yes. Yeah, so it's almost like an upside-down periscope. You yeah. can sit upright, just like when you're looking down into a microscope, you can sit upright and look into the patient's mouth. Wow. Do you recommend to... that one? Or... Pardon? Would you recommend that one? Like, Do you have much good experience with it? or? Well, I'll, I'll talk about that as, as well. So um, the product itself is good. It's, it's distributed by Oseo Dental in Australia. Mm -hmm. and, and the benefit is that you can sit upright, look into the patient's mouth. However, you need to move the patient around a um, lot like when people, microscope users have to. Yeah. And now, the company reps, Oseo Dental, are not that highly trained. I think they're better now than they were two years ago. Yeah. And, and they... And, and I don't know if you saw on DPR, there were a number of postings about people having very positive and negative experiences and poor after-sales service. Yeah. Overall, the product is good. The after-sales service by Osseodental is not so great. Yeah. And the company, I was told by the Osseodental reps at the recent Adelaide Congress, that the, I think the Japanese company doesn't care. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> but the product is good. It's good, yeah. And and the one that I would be possibly looking at, you can get the Shrewder lens type and you get lens that are not great for eye safety, to say the least. And so what I would be looking at is wearing safety glasses or your own whatever prescription glasses, but with a safety frame. Mm -hmm. And then you can get this bar, and I think you'll find that's really helpful, is there is just a bar... Um, and and it's like glasses without any lens, yeah. but no bottom part. And then it's got the flip-up version of the okay. horoscope. 
uh, not arthroscopic, the Pentex, which yeah. means that you can get it out of the way. You can wear whatever you need to underneath. Doesn't depend on what shape nose you have, and that's the one that I'd be looking at. Okay, that So the the main three uh, overarching style you recommend: flip up, adjustable versus through the lens, which makes a lot of sense because depending on your posture, depending on how you're seating and um, whatever else works for you within the workflow of your space, you can adjust it if you need to. Uh, which through the lens is kind of limiting. Well, absolutely. So when people come into my courses, even the people who are wearing adjustable loops, it's not adjusted properly. And then I just get them to fiddle until it's right. Whereas if it's through the lens, you can't do anything. Yeah, you and I always <laughs> tell it secondhand to a jeweler or a dental technician, because if the work is in front of you, then you can work with shallow declination angles. Yeah. Even once you get the adjustable hiney or surgical, you still need to adjust it because it doesn't come according to what you need. Yeah. And um, with the Pentax ones, have you found there to be a, a big learning curve? Because uh, obviously you said you have to, you're not as flexible with, you just have to adjust the patient to kind of get the like, visual field that you need. So I have, I have looked into the Pentax and I have had it fitted to me to see what it's like. But uh, I've had a lot of feedback from dentists who are using them. They said that there's probably a week or so of getting used to it. Same with microscopes. It's a bit longer there. Yeah. You, there's a little bit of a learning curve. You just have to move the patient. And by the way, I recommend that even without Pentax or microscope, move your patient so you don't have to twist yourself into a pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> but you move your patients more. And of course, while we're talking about loops, I really want to talk about eye, eye health. Yeah. Please... Everyone, take your glasses, prescription glasses off regularly and also the loops regularly because you need to look near and far, use your peripheral vision, look at natural, at natural colors and light. I, I know a lot of people who wear their loops all the time. They even go out to see a patient in the waiting room wearing yeah. their loops. Oh, wearing you it. Want a break yeah for sure it's it sounds all uh it's a very physically challenging job there's so much uh i guess the, the, they always say it's one of the like, most hazardous jobs because of the materials um the sounds the light the posture uh there's a lot that we kind of have to take on in our in our given day and our bodies are kind of uh going through the ringer uh just being a dentist so um, absolutely may i mention one more Sure. One more thing that most people don't know about, and this is, um, and again, an inner and outer ergonomics interface. If there's any young dentist working in a practice where there's not enough room behind the um, head of the patient well, chair, that's a huge problem. Then it's a huge problem because I don't know if you saw me posting about is your surgery safe for your back? Mm -hmm. I did a posting on DPR a while ago. So when the patient chair is fully supine, there should yeah. be enough room. There should be, you can measure it, there should be a minimum of uh, 70 centimeters, okay. 70 to 90, taken from the edge of the headrest yeah. to the wall or the cabinetry. If mm -hmm. it's less than 700, then 800 is a better measurement, but minimum seven. It means that the dentist can't push back the stool far enough in order to bend forward slightly at the hip joint, and you've got yeah. to do a C-bend just fine. And unfortunately, the Dental Association has no guidelines for That's a critical measurement, and it's, they've got guidelines for everything, including the kitchen sink, but yeah. not for that. <laughs> so I'm advocating for the inclusion of that. Yeah, that's so important. If you, 
where, oh, sorry to interrupt, but I was just going to say, I have recommended one dentist who I found out didn't have enough room. I said, you need to leave. If, you, if your employer cannot change, you have to leave because yeah. it, it's a career suicide. So when the chair is fully supine, the, from the tip of the headrest to the cabinet should be at least 70 centimeters. Is that right? Yeah. So 0.7 yes. meters. Because that's an issue. I, I mean, especially being left-handed because the chairs are always off, like often on a bit of an angle. Um, I find like the back of my chair is always rubbing up against the, uh, the cabinet. Um, so I have to measure that. Yeah. If that's the case, and I know that good jobs are hard to come by, but um, there, are, you, there are jobs and jobs and there's only one precious spine. So if, yeah. if they can't change, don't stay. Yeah, for sure. And, I'm a, I, and I, that's why I think it's so important what you're doing is I'm a big believer, and I tell my wife this all the time, is you know, fast forward 30, 40 years with the medical advancements and everything, you know, they might be able to cure disease and they might be able to you know, offset those things. But I think our like, musculoskeletal system is something that you can't fix with like a pill. Like if your posture is bad, if, you're, if you've already messed up those things, that's not something that can be easily fixed with technology. So I think that's the one thing I tell her, I'm like, we got to make sure at least our posture is good. Okay, if I get diabetes when I'm 60, that's fine. I'm sure they'll have a cure by then. But uh, my bad back and my bad neck, there's not something that's going to be easily fixed. Well, the good news is that uh, I was already in my early 50s when I finally, uh, probably, yeah, early, early to mid 50s, and I'd been in, in chronic pain for over 30 years. And when I finally learned that it was the way that I was bending over my patients and lifting my left shoulder and, and elbow and all, all those things, that that's what was causing my problems. And I tried everything to get help, all specialists and physical therapists. It was possible to get well once I transformed those terrible work habits. So there's always hope. But the earlier you learn, yeah. and I'm delighted to be interviewed, especially because you said that uh, your audience are young dentists. Yeah. I'm delighted to um, say what I've said so far and recommend that dentists train further with me. Because if I would have known just a fraction of what we discussed already today in this interview, I wouldn't have suffered for over 30 years. Yeah, and it's so simple. I wish we could learn this in dental school. And I'm yeah. trying to get into teaching. That would be, that'd be so valuable to have that as a, as a subject, um, to like introduction to ergonomics and those things. Because yeah, it makes a big difference. And it affects your mood. It affects your productivity. It affects your longevity, obviously, in the career. So taking care of yourself is, uh, is pretty important. You know, with the podcast, we like to be pretty practical. So I might put you under this, under the, uh, under the pressure a little bit. Um, so if you can give me like, like five things for inner ergonomics that someone listening today, uh, to the podcast can go to work the next day and, and kind of be mindful of, or put into practice, what would they be? Right. So, um, um, just watching you, trying to upright yourself yeah. <laughs> what you were doing was using movement muscles yeah and so uh, by, by pulling upright is unsustainable so um that that's not going to work if you it's it's very important to sit on your sit bones on your dental stool and ideally you should have a firm firm seat mm -hmm. and have your feet on the ground um the foot underneath your knee yeah and also the knees slightly outwards and you need to think, this is called directional thinking, which takes a lot more time than this. But if you can just think that your sit bones are going through the seat, 
and your spine is going upwards, but don't pull yourself up, then you're activating postural muscles. Okay. And so then... So if, just to just to clarify this, so if I'm actively pushing myself up, I'm using my, it's not my just postural muscles. I'm okay. And that's not sustainable. That's a great. I didn't. I've never thought of that before. So that's really good. Okay. Well, no one knows this, so this is yeah. part of this. <laughs> and then uh, know that you cannot sit upright unless you have got Pentex or a m- microscope. So you need to pivot forward slightly at the hip joint and then yeah. look down from the top of the spine. Unfortunately, if you've got the wrong uh, declination angle then you can't do that there's no hope yeah and don't pull the shoulders back either you ne- if you think of shoulder away from shoulder but don't move anything you actually switch you're sending message to the motor neurons to to stop the uh, trapezius from firing the upper trapezius so okay. this is directly thinking um use indirect vision there are very few places where you can actually see into the patient's mouth without twisting your spine. I recommend double-sided mirrors. Have you heard of double-sided mirrors? I've seen them, but not. I've, I mean, I haven't really used them. Not many people have those. So Most people have never heard of it. Now, this is a very big piece of um, instantly usable information. Yeah. If you're retracting, you either lose the single mirror side or people have shown me how they retract so that they don't lose their one side and you've got to use a far bigger motion with your elbow and shoulder in order to not lose your one mirror whereas when you put a mirror on both sides you can actually allow your shoulder and elbow to be released and just use your hand so it's I, i recommend to go out and and get the double sided mirror so i don't get any commission on this and in fact any dentist listening if you call henry shine hellas they are the distributors for hugh freddy and yeah. say that dr ball um, told me to get this i believe that that you may be getting a 20 percent discount oh nice okay um nordent also makes um double-sided mirrors which i think are cheaper i'm not sure how much of a difference there is in quality and that's true yeah. solves one dental mm-hmm. um, and also what I uh, another very very important practical advice is that if you are reaching to the side for example if you've got a delivery system that's just a little bit off to the side and you want to pick up or put down your triplex or your instruments or your hand pieces instead of doing a twist to the side which is a repetitive twisting that's very harmful to your spine yeah you, you're sitting on chairs that pivot very easily, the dental stools, do a whole body turn, and then it's not going to accumulate trauma. So use your whole body. Don't take shortcuts where you just twist off to the side. Just pivot off to the side and then pivot back with your whole body. If you can use the motto, all of me, when you do something, instead of just twisting one body part, same in abstraction. If you think all of me rather than just my arm extracting, Mm-hmm. Your whole neuromuscular firing system coordinates differently. Okay, that's great. So, uh, just to, before we wrap up, let's uh, talk about your optimum uh, dental posture program that you're running. Uh, how does it work? Is it a one-off course, or is it a continuum of courses? And uh, what's the best way to people like to get more detail about it? 
I um, and thank you for giving me the opportunity because that by people attending, uh, two, I run a two-day ergonomics and wellness in dentistry program where I teach how to overcome and prevent occupational chronic pain and also stress in dentistry. And we touch on taking care of the mental, emotional wellness as well as the physical wellness. And of course, it's inseparable anyway. Yeah. And I run that over two days in Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane. And in fact, my next Melbourne program is in July 25. Okay. Yeah. And I, I highly recommend it, not because I need more people, but because that's the best way for any dentist to learn the basics. I teach the ABC of inner ergonomics in a, at Henry Schein Hellas. Um, I, I use various dental company showrooms wherever I teach, because I like to teach the basics in a seminar room space. And yeah. also we do a lot of movement. I get people to lie down in active rest many times during the two days. So they learn it experientially. And then I take them next door around dental chairs with mannequin. And we practice how to apply what they just learned next door. That's in great. Dental activity. And we look at absolutely everything. On day two, we look at how to stand and bend and do extractions and how to not strain your arm when you're extracting. I get people to bring in instruments. So that's the fun foundation training program, and I highly recommend it. I've got one in Sydney at the end of this month, which is almost fully booked now. Mm-hmm. I limit it a small number so that people get a lot of direct experiential training. Yeah. And I have trainers, and we give kinesthetic guidance to each person. I also go out to practices and I run a half day training program and train the whole team and yeah. each person trains in their workstation and that's very useful. And, and I offer follow-up programs um, over time as well. I'm currently working on some uh, online training programs because I have dentists who are far away. and That's they, really good. Yeah, I think the um, the online space is definitely useful and valuable. Obviously, you don't get the direct, you know, person to person connection or the hands on kind of teaching, but it, it just frees you up because you don't have to take time off work. You can just kind of fit it in um, over a weekend or in your evenings. So I think it's a nice uh, complimentary kind of service to offer. Uh, I think you know you've certainly found a nice niche and a very valuable you know aspect of dentistry that's really overlooked and not taught really well. And, it, you know, as much as, you know, we take courses and improve our skills and everything, you know, if we're not healthy and if we're not, uh, you know, happy in the workplace, then our longevity and our production is going to drop for sure. So uh, I think it's certainly something that uh, I'll definitely come check it out. And I suggest other people do as well, because I think, you know, these little tips and things that you can learn and it can, it can really save you in the long term and save you a lot of money, maybe in physio and rehab costs as well. So, uh, so I think prevention is always better than and then treating, right? So, Well, I uh, must say that, unfortunately, uh, most young dentists are already past prevention. They're already yeah. suffering. So this is the way. Yeah. And this niche found me because I suffered for so many years, tried everything, spent an absolute fortune, time, money, and energy. Yeah. And all I got was symptom, symptom relief. No mm-hmm. one actually looked at what I was doing. And it wasn't until I came across um, the inner ergonomic principles of the Alexander Technique Mm-hmm. which is literally the user guide to this body that we have in motion and, and postures that I got well. And I was never going to teach this. But then after three years of being well, I thought I need to further train. And I trained for um, over 1,600 hours in person, wow. over four years part-time, in order to 
teach this, and then I translated it into industry-specific application. And so this, I, I am so passionate about saving other dentists from suffering the way I used to, and I was really crippled up to 11 years ago, that I am driven by this passion. So I didn't look for a niche. I didn't look to do this. This found me, and then the passion drives me to save my colleagues. That's amazing. Yeah, when you find your calling and your like purpose, it's it comes naturally almost. So I think um, it's, it's great that you found that. So before we wrap up, I always do just a quick rapid fire just to kind of line things up a little bit. Um, so what's your, uh, what's your favorite pizza topping? Pizza topping? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm vegetarian, so yeah. cheese and tomato. Cheese and tomato. What's your favorite like uh, musician or artist or band? I love classical music, so I've just been listening to Yehudi Menuhin playing yeah. a beautiful violin concert, concerto. And um, I guess you're not practicing anymore, but when you were, what was your uh, favorite tooth to work on? <laughs> Centrals. <laughs> Centrals. Nice and easy ergonomically. <laughs> I only practicing about maybe two years ago. I was planning to continue part-time practice, but yeah. this inner ergonomic uh, work and optimum dental posture training has taken over so much of my time. I thought there are enough dentists saving patients mm -hmm. and nobody is saving dentists. So that's yeah. my high calling. Yeah. And something I forgot to mention is sure. that on my website, optimumdentalposture.com is where people can find information about all the programs and any other information. For sure. I'll put a link uh, in the notes as well. And uh, the final question is, if you weren't doing dentistry, what career would you be in? Well, I, I love what I'm doing now. So yeah. <laughs> this, is, this feels my calling. I certainly love my dentistry. Yeah. I was uh, very passionate about, I got in, I was um, in the latter years practicing in periodontics and also in dental sleep medicine. And I loved both. Mm -hmm. So um, I, uh, this was a calling, as you said. Yeah. What I'm doing now. Okay, Danica, uh, Dr. Anikoval, thank you so much for coming on. I think you shared a lot of valuable information. Um, you know, obviously, you know, audio and podcast may not be the best uh, format for talking about ergonomics and things because you need to show examples and movements and things like that. So uh, I will definitely put the the link uh, to your program and your course in the show notes and people who you know, want to learn further, can definitely check it out. And um, I think it's valuable. I, I'm something that I learned a lot of stuff today as well that I can kind of apply. And I'm excited to sort of uh, hopefully attend one of your courses in the future and and learn some more. Because I, 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 for me, you know, I think a lot of millennials as well, we value health a lot. I think health is very important to us in terms of maybe more so than like, you know, uh, like objects and goods instead of like a nice car and things like that. Uh, I know a lot of us think this way that we want to be healthy and have good longevity and things like that. So uh, this fits in perfectly with that. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you about this very important topic.